and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My voice sounds a little bit off today. I lost it back on Monday, and I've been struggling to get it back ever since. It's now Thursday, and I decided to go ahead and record this podcast because I felt like this was the one and only time it'd be okay for my voice to sound like this, as today's topic is all about writing emergency subplans in your classroom. Now, I know some of you out there aren't doing this, and I was right there with you for my first couple of years of teaching. I never called out sick. I would come to work sick, or if I had to be out, I would go to my classroom the afternoon before and get everything set up. And I always figured if I was out sick, my assistants would be able to cover me. I thought there would never be a time in which there was nobody in my classroom. So why am I going to waste this time? We have so many things to do as special education teachers. Running subplans just seems like a frivolous activity that I wasn't going to do until the unbelievable happened. And I still think that this is just such a weird circumstance. But I went to school on a Monday afternoon or on a Monday in October of 2017. And I had a rash on my leg. I happened to show it to the school nurse and say, hey, I have this rash. I was wondering if you had any idea what it was. And she goes, oh my goodness, you need to go to the doctor right away. That looks like it's highly contagious. And I was like, what? So I get a doctor's appointment with my principal encouraging me. And I go to the doctor and get diagnosed with shingles. And I drove back to school. And my principal goes, what are you doing here? And I go, oh, I have shingles, so I have to miss the next two days because I'm highly contagious, but I just need to run to my classroom and get some stuff set up for this up. She looked at me and said, Nicole, if you have shingles and you're highly contagious, you cannot go in your classroom. And I said, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll just wait up here until the kids go home. And she goes, no, you can't be in your classroom at all. You need to leave. And I cried because I'm a huge crier. And I said, what do I do? And so my biggest concern was that Tuesday morning, one of my assistants was already going to be out and she was going to get to work by like 830 in the morning. But I said, the second assistant can't do this on her own. They said, don't worry, Nicole, we'll get her some support. It'll be fine. And I go, okay. And then I go home and that night around 9 p.m. I get a text from the second assistant She had been out of town, and she said that her flight got canceled. She got a new one for the morning, but she wasn't going to make it to school until about 9. And then suddenly, all of my students were going to be getting to school at 7.30 in the morning, and there was going to be nobody there that knew them. I completely panicked. Now, it ended up being fine. They pulled some assistance from other self-contained programs in to cover my class until my assistants were able to get there. Both of my assistants were in the classroom by 8.45, and they had a great rest of the day. But as soon as I got back to work, I made emergency subplans so that way that would never happen again. So I've broken it down into four simple tips to help you get these running in your classroom as well. The first one is to explain everything. And I truly mean everything. You might look in your classroom and think, well, there's a calendar on the wall. So it's obvious that that's what you use during 
morning calendar. But think about it from the lens of someone who's never been in your classroom before. They might not realize that you actually use that during that part of the day. It sounds so simple, but just go ahead and write that in your sub plans so that way your substitute isn't questioning anything. Think about how it might be overwhelming for them to come in and they're having to learn all of your students on the fly and a lot of the times my students had more complex needs and they were complex communicators and my substitutes are trying to learn all that information and the day is moving so fast. If I just write out those details, it helped them feel more confident going through the day. Explain to them how to reset the three-tier system. Write the actual room numbers of where the music class is, the gym is. Go ahead and tell them where you store your dry erase markers or your color pencils. Don't tell them they're going to do an art project and then have them search the classroom to find the glue sticks. Go through everything that you would do during your day and write down everything you grab or use and just put it in explicit detail. Your substitute might not use that information, but it's better to go ahead and have it in case you have a substitute who craves that type of structure. The second tip is to alter your schedule. Now I know a lot of the times us as teachers might have parts of our day that would be really complicated for a substitute who doesn't have our training and expertise to try and implement. One of the times that comes to mind for me is an adapted reading group that I led. As I mentioned, I had two assistants. During that time of day, I'd have one assistant supporting some students in a fifth grade math class, and I had another assistant supporting a student in a third grade music class. And then I would teach a reading group with the rest of the students in my room. I could not expect a substitute to be able to read, lead that reading group successfully. So I would go ahead and switch the schedule and have the substitute go to that third grade music class and have that assistant come to my classroom. Now the assistant also didn't have a lot of experience leading the reading group, but she knew my students really well and she knew the way I structured my classroom. So she was going to be a lot more successful. And so I went ahead and made an alternative schedule. And we actually used the schedule when any of this, us were out. We had that when the whole team is there, normal schedule, and then we had the alternative schedule when someone was out. So that way we could switch around staffing and have it laid out so everything could be the most successful. And everybody knew this. My assistant principal knew it, my assistants of course, my SLP, my OT, the teacher in the room next to me, everybody knew about the alternative schedule and they knew where to find it. So that way, if I was out, they weren't having to text me to ask me what to do. We'd already gone over it as a team and my assistants could just grab it and move forward in the day. My third tip is to make cheat sheets. Now, I'm not talking a full page that has paragraphs upon paragraphs of information about your students, but I'm talking about the really basic things that your substitute might need to know. If you're sending your substitute to the carpool line to get a student on her own, or you're sending her down to the bus to get a couple of students, it's really helpful if you can show her a picture of who she's looking for. I see, would see this time and time again when I was at the buses, I'd see a substitute and I'd ask them, who are you subbing for and who are you here to pick up? Because when we have 15 kids coming off a bus, there's no way the substitute's going to be able to figure out who she's looking for. And with my nonverbal students who weren't able to say their name back, it was really tough. So I would have a card with pictures and show, here are the two boys that you're looking for to come off of the bus. I would also put really important informations on these cards. I would let her know which students were communicating with an AAC device. I would let her know which students needed their hand held to get into the school safely. I would let her know which students were 
likely to maybe try and grab something off the ground and put it in their mouth. Just things that she needed to know to help her be really successful when she did have to be alone with my students. Again, I tried to limit the times because I had that luxury with multiple staff members. I tried to limit the times that my substitute would be in that situation, but if she had to be in that situation, having those cheat cards would really help her be more successful. My last tip is to have review materials ready. So I taught in a self-contained classroom for students grades three to five. In Virginia, we start our state testing at the third grade year. Now, a lot of my students participated in alternative testing, but we still had pretty rigorous standards considering the needs of my classroom. And I loved teaching academics. And by October, I was teaching adapted lessons on electricity and fractions. And that is so meaningful and so important, but it would be really hard for someone who's not familiar with my class and not familiar with the alternative standards to try and lead that lesson successfully. It's something that I, took me a whole month to get my class used to and I had a lot of experience. So when I did have to be out unexpectedly, I would have review materials or things that were prior knowledge for my students that they could do instead. When they went to math, they might not be working on the fractions unit and it's okay to step away from your lesson plans for a day. Instead of working on fractions, I might have them work on one-to-one -one correspondence. Instead of doing our unique lesson of the day, I might have them review a poem. I'd have these review materials already plugged in, so that way my substitute could still follow the same structure of the day, but what she was doing in each part was going to be a little bit easier for her, but still really meaningful for the students. I would go ahead and have all of the copies ready and I'd have them labeled in folders. And if you want to see a picture of this, I do have a blog linked in the description and I show you what it looks like. So that way, when it was time for her to lead math, she could go into that file, grab the math file folder and have all the copies in there. There was no confusion as to what I wanted her to do. Now, it does take some time to get all these review materials prepped, so I ended up making emergency print and go sub plans for this purpose. I designed them with my class in mind, and my class actually used them when I had to be out unexpectedly this past year with pneumonia, and it really worked well. So what you can do if you want to get this running in your classroom is you can just grab a set, print it, and have it ready to go, and that'll help you feel confident when you wake up sick that your team will know what to do. I hope these tips help you picture how to get cell plans going in your classroom. A lot of times what we're writing for our cell plans is going to be different than what our general education colleagues are writing, but they're just as important on our classrooms as well. I hope this podcast was helpful and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday. <laughs>